This paid commercial may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University. I'm Luann Brossman, the founder and president of Government Marketing University, and I'll be your host today. Market Chat is an ongoing series that provides an open and collaborative marketing conversation between government and industry that will ensure our listeners will walk away empowered with greater knowledge on how to better market to their targeted federal audience. In this episode of Market Chat, we will hear insights, tips, and advice to enhance your government marketing efforts from four very seasoned marketers who have been doing government marketing for a long time and are marketing change agents and thought leaders in our market. We recently asked our listeners to send in questions, and I'm going to answer a couple of them today as it pertains to Government Marketing University. One of the questions was, why did you start Government Marketing University? That's a very easy question. Uh, Government Marketing University has been a vision of mine for a very long time. There is an unfulfilled need in our market today for a platform for knowledge sharing, career development, and networking opportunities for professionals in government marketing. And that is why I started Government Marketing University to fill this need. I started my government marketing career over 30 years ago and have gained a lot of experience and knowledge that I and others want to share. Later in our program today, we will be telling our listeners about our government marketing mentor program. I'm very pleased to say all of our guests on today's show are GMARCU mentors. Another question a listener sent in was, you call GMARCU a collaborative community-based platform. What does that mean? Our tagline for Government Marketing University is for the people, by the people. And you will see that an impressive and growing group of seasoned government experts from our community who have chosen to be a part of our faculty. This group includes government marketers, thought leaders, government executives, both former and current, media, sales leaders, and more, all contributing their time and knowledge to deliver a unique and content-rich platform. The government marketing vendor community has welcomed us with open arms. These are partners such as Federal News Radio. We practice what we preach about being a collaborative, community-rich platform, and we strive to engage and partner with as many companies and individuals as we can. Now, I am so excited to introduce our Market Chat guest we have with us today. I have personally known each of these ladies for a long time and was so excited when they all agreed to share their government marketing knowledge with us. I know our listeners will learn a lot from them over the course of today's Market Chat program, which is especially beneficial as we all go into our 2017 government marketing planning. Let me introduce them. First, we have Kim Hauer. Kim is currently the Director of Public Sector Marketing at Nutanix. Kim has over 20 plus years marketing experience with 16 of those years focused on the government market. Welcome, Kim. Thanks, Leanne. Ginger Kessler. Ginger is currently the Director of Federal Marketing at Brocade Communications. Ginger has focused most of her career in public sector in both sales and marketing. Welcome, Ginger. Thank you, Leanne. Great to be here. Next is Kate Tong. Kate is the Director of Public Sector Marketing at Cloudera and has over 15 years of experience setting strategic direction and implementation of marketing programs to the U.S. public sector. We're glad you're here, Kate. Thank you. Next, Rita Walston. Rita is the Senior Director, Public Sector Channel Marketing for Emix Group, an aero company. With over 25 years experience, Rita brings strong public sector strategic and tactical marketing planning to our panel today. Welcome, Rita. Thank you so much, delighted to be here. I am so honored that each of you have taken time out of what we know is your busy day to join us on Market Chat. I know our listeners are in for a very engaging and informative program today. 
First thing we're going to talk about is events. I mean, how many years in all of our years of government marketing have we been talking about events? So today we're going to cover the good, the bad, the ugly, and the four of you are going to tell us how to do it right. All right, let's jump in. Large events are popping up again. We used to do large events, large scale events. They sort of went away and we started doing smaller geo facing events. But now the big events are back again. So what I'd like to hear from you is what do you think about the big events versus small events? And why have you moved towards doing larger events? So Ginger, I'm tossing this to you first. Brocade has very successfully done the federal summit for the past, what, four years? Five years. Five actually. years. So tell us about that and why you continue to do it. Well, the first thing is don't call a federal forum because everyone else is already calling it a federal forum. But you're right, there are so many out there right now that manufacturers are doing. And the reason that we do it is because we think there's a great return on investment. It's a five-month campaign. The annual event is the center of that campaign. And it really allows our sales reps to generate pipeline and to close deals. But every year we have to evaluate it because it's a huge commitment from the marketing team as well as the sales team. But we're gonna do it again next year. You know, you had what, close to a thousand people there this year? We did, the last two years over a thousand people. That's amazing, that's amazing. That's a um, Government Marketing University podcast waiting to happen, how you do that. Kate, tell us about your events. Sure, yeah, like Ginger, we just hosted our fifth annual government forum. Um, the 2016 event was a success on many fronts, but of course ROI should always be considered. Um, I asked questions of the data, looking at um, are we acquiring new customers, or how many touches have we had with the attendee or the registrant that are uh, coming to our events, and are we reaching our target accounts. Um, of course, bigger isn't always better, uh, quality versus quantity, of course. Um, I'm not expecting our forum to grow 30% every year. I'm realistic. I want to deliver a high-quality event with stellar programming and speakers where attendees find value. So spot on. Rita, MX Group is an event machine. You've cracked the code. Tell us about that. Well, I really think determining whether you're going to do those smaller geo-focused events or the larger ones, which as you said are kind of coming back, it really depends upon your end goal. And for some of the end user upsell and cross-sell, we've seen tremendous success with the smaller geographically dispersed events, uh, going to military bases for tech days and trainings, um, particularly when we bring together two or three complementary manufacturer solutions. That works really, really well to bring in your end users. For white space marketing, where you're trying to either build brand recognition, you're trying to get your message out to a broad audience of influencers and decision makers who may not know you or may not know you at all, uh, we definitely leverage the, the bigger events and, and the trade shows for those. We do a number of our own custom events as well. Again, you have to define what's the end goal, what are you trying to achieve, and how will you measure it? And that really, I think, is going to determine what sort of event you want to leverage. So if, if you were giving advice to a student as their mentor um, about doing a small breakfast briefing, what's the first question that you would ask them that they're trying to achieve? How are you going to measure success at the end? Great question. Anybody else, what would be the first question that you would ask? What's the goal? You know, what are you trying to do? Target a certain agency or many different agencies? Are you trying to make sure that you're creating new leads that, that um, Kate alluded to? Or do you want to make sure that you build the business that you already have? Mm -hmm. I'd also ask, what problem are you trying to solve for the customer? We have a lot of situations where people are so excited to tell their customers something, but they don't really think about the context in which that's important to the audience they're trying to communicate it with. So I think all of these things are definitely key, but I also like to ask that because no one wants to come to a couple hour commercial for a vendor. So we really want to solve problems. Spot on. Yeah, I would just add that, um, you know, understand, uh, is that part of your sales campaign? Is it supporting uh, the sales goals and uh, objectives that they set out to target their, their prospect and customer? What the four of you just said is exactly why you are mentors of GMarkU. I see so often a lot of marketers starting out in their career and they're told, go do a breakfast briefing and they call up a location and they're worried about orange juice or the donuts they're going to order and not really asking the questions that you just provided. And that is just invaluable and that comes with seasoned experience. Rita. 
I think what some of the ladies said too is if you're talking about that breakfast briefing, are you targeting prospects or are you targeting your customers? Because you're going to have a different message to each. If you're targeting uh, prospects and so you're kind of giving them the very basics, the 101 about your technology, and you have your end users there, they're going to be twiddling their thumbs. By the same token, if you're kind of going into more detailed ways that you can use that solution, the folks that don't know the first thing about it. So you have to be very careful, I think, about the audience that you're targeting for each of those. Very true, very true. And build out a creative brief. What happened to the days of a nice two to three page creative brief of goals and expectations and ROI? All right, leading into that, another question that we're asked a lot uh, by people building out marketing plans is how do you decide what your mix is? How many percentage of events do you do versus traditional lead gen campaigns versus thought leadership awareness. So let's talk a little bit and offer to me uh, where you go and how you start identifying how many events you do and what percentage of events that you do. So Kate, I got Cloudera, how do you break that percentage up? Yeah, approximately 50% of my budget is spent on events and event related activity and the other half is spent uh, on public relations, content development, content syndication, creative uh, needs that we have for the field and other campaigns. Okay, 50%, that's, that's good. Rita. Well, we're supporting different suppliers and partners, and in that regard, we're kind of keying off what are their end goals, what do they need, and our mix is typically about 75% events, I would say, and about 25% other marketing campaigns. Uh, that said, I think our events have a broad mix from channel enablement, like proctored partner certifications, to lead generation events like tech days, conferences, trade shows, custom events. We do speed networking events. We do an annual event at the Spy Museum. So again, you're looking for something that's a little bit more creative. Uh, other marketing campaigns will include multi-touch that incorporate a lot of what Kate was talking about, incorporates content marketing, digital marketing, webinars, thought leadership opportunities to build awareness and generate leads. We also put a lot of effort and bandwidth into our annual government IT sales summit we're hosting this year on November 17th. Which, by the way, is a great summit everybody should go to. Absolutely. If you want to learn, if you want to network in this industry, I heartily recommend it. Um, brings together about a thousand members of the solution provider, manufacturer, and systems integrator community communities for a day of uh, an actionable information and networking. Great. Okay, Ginger, how about a brocade? What's your mix? I would say because we focus on the federal government and there are so many trade shows out there that you need to be at, it's 80%. It's, it's hard. very high. Very, very high. And right now we're seeing a lot of trade shows coming back. Dotus is back, AFITS is back. So all of a sudden over the past couple of years you haven't had to count those big trade shows and now you do and it, it raises the mix, correct? Kim, how about Nutanix? We are definitely in the same realm with, with Ginger and Rita at about 75 to 80% of our budget going towards some type of event or another, whether it's a trade show or a seminar or a training or something along those lines. Um, the priority for our reps is really to get a lot of face-to-face -face time with their customers and prospects, and so that's what we find is, is getting us the high, highest ROI. You gotta go where the customer goes. Mm -hmm. You know, go where government is going. Exactly, spot on. So I think to wrap up this segment, yes, Kate, do you have something to say? Yeah, uh, one thing that um, my marketing dollars are spent on also is associations. So just, uh, you know, events are one thing, but it's also have your reps go to where the government folks are, whether you know it's an association or an industry day, um, not necessarily an event, but you're sponsoring their participation it's still in an association. Yeah. Yep. And then encouraging in a soft voice for our reps to actually engage in network at those events. That's always been one of the, the issues of government marketing people to get those reps to go and then get them to network. So, all right, wrapping up this event section, I believe what I've heard is a large part of your marketing mix is events, and that's to be expected. That's very important because you need to go where government is going. However, long before you do these decisions around which events you're going to, you need to set your target market. You need to identify the message. You need to identify uh, what your ROI is, and then you'll have success. Everybody in agreement with that? Yes. yes. Yeah, make sure you can measure that success. Measure that success because you know what? And we're going to talk later in today's program around marketing dollars and where you go to get dollars. But history has proven if you can show your ROI, you're going to get more dollars. 
absolutely going to get more dollars. All right, so thanks ladies. That's closing up our event piece. We're going to come back with a lot more questions with our panel today. I am Luann Brossman, host of Market Chat, where we bring clarity to the clutter in government marketing with hot topics, best practices, exciting guests, and innovative ideas. You are listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Do you work in marketing, sales, or business development for a vendor serving government customers? Then you should know about Government Marketing University, a new innovative learning platform that applies a collaborative, community-based approach towards knowledge sharing and skills development in the field of public sector marketing. Government Marketing University offers training, research, certifications, mentoring, and networking, all in one place to help accelerate your marketing success. Learn more at governmentmarketinguniversity.com. That's governmentmarketinguniversity.com. Welcome back to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. I'm your host, Luann Drossman, and today we have with us in the studio four government marketing experts and change agents who are providing their expertise on how to strengthen your government marketing efforts. We have with us Ginger Kessler from Brocade, Rita Walston from Emix Group, Kim Hauer from Nutanix, and Kate Tong from Cloudera. Welcome back, ladies. Thank you. Earlier in today's program, we talked about the mix of events in your marketing plan, but let's talk about overall marketing mix. Uh, our listeners, think of them as students that are trying to figure out how to get up to speed fast with building out government marketing plans. And the Government Marketing University, that's what we're gonna help them do. We're gonna give them some good insight into what needs to go into a marketing mix. This means lead gen, social media PR, thought leadership, brand awareness, events, and all the other many things that are tossed at us. So let's talk about that in a little bit more detail with each one of you. How do you ensure within your marketing program and when your sales organization as well, because VPs of sales and the sales leadership also has their own wants and needs that we're always pushing back and battling on. How do you build up this marketing mix? Kim Howard. Well, Luann, my last two companies have been earlier stage companies, so it's been really important that we have a healthy mix of demand generation to thought leadership to branding. Right now, what we've been focusing on is what I like to call one plus one equals three investments. So those are programs where we get a little of everything in return for our investment, which is critical to keep our bottom line contribution strong as we pursue other less measurable goals. Um, we've got some terrific vendors in our community that do a great job with this, and they've been really key for Nutanix. And vendors meaning your channel partners or other OEMs? No, I mean... Are these the individuals that you're buying their products and services to help you market? No, I mean the vendors that we work with, such as media vendors, marketing mm -hmm. agencies, PR agencies, creative agencies, organizations that give us all of the tools that we need to be able to execute our programs. Okay, great, very good. Like Federal News Radio, Correct. great tools. Ginger. Well, I think it really depends on the status of your company. Are you a market leader with a great brand? Are you an emerging company with no brand at all? Are you somewhere in the middle? Or are you like Brocade, where I'm at right now, and it's a company that's been around for 20 years, but we used to sell all of our products through OEMs. And so the federal customer didn't even know who we were because we didn't really have to tell them. Now we have to. We have a solution set where you really have to tell the end user customer. And because of that, thought leadership and branding and PR are so critical to my overall mix, much more than any other company that I've ever been at. The other thing I noticed too is that when you focus on federal, I think it's a lot easier to bring the PR and the press and the social into the realm of a geo-marketing than it is for somebody who maybe does healthcare or finance because the, the federal community is, is so small that you really can make sure that you include all of those different aspects in your marketing mix. You know, that's so true, and that's one thing we are fortunate. We know who our audience is. Absolutely. Really good insight. Rita. 
Well, at Imix Group, we help IT companies do business with the government. And, you know, Ginger, to your point, I always say it's like doing business in another country. The same way that if you were going to go to market in Portugal or Japan, you do a heck of a lot more than just translate your collateral into Japanese or Portuguese. There's a whole different language. There's a whole way of going about business. So at Imix Group, with our marketing, we make it a point to work collaboratively with our sales folks, with our marketing folks, to determine what is that end goal. What are we specifically? What's the end goal? You know, sit down there with the VP of sales, and he goes, "The end goal is to build revenue." Yeah, got that. What is the specific end goal for this? How are we going to measure it? And that I think is really going to dictate what your mix is. Uh, for instance, I sat down a while ago with someone who shall be nameless, and uh, he said, "Well, I I want an event." Okay, we can do an event. When the event is all done. What success? Why do you want an event? And he said, well, I want an event because I need to get the word out there about my new product. And I said, well, that an event may not be the best way to do that. Let's talk about specifically what you want. And over the course of a 20-minute conversation, we determined that an event was not the best way to achieve that goal. And instead, we came up with a broader campaign that had a lot of different components and cost about the same. But in the end, we were able to identify measurable success results uh, and we had a successful campaign. But again, it's about that collaboration, I think, and identifying what is the end game, how are you going to measure it, and that's going to, I think, drive what your mix is. Again, couldn't agree more. I think we're all in, in full agreement. That's because we've all been doing this a long time and we know it works. So um, to kind of close up that question, you've got to bridge with sales. You need to know what their goals are. Um, I've always said that as a marketing manager in government, my customer is my VP of sales because if I'm keeping that person happy, then everything else goes along very, very well. And everybody's happy. Everybody's happy, <laughs> exactly. So very important to know their expectations. Yes, Rita? When you're talking about working with the, the sales team, you're absolutely right. And I have found such a difference in success in whether the sales rep is actively engaged versus not actively engaged, whether the partner is actively engaged versus, well, you just let me know where to show up. That can make the huge, a huge difference between a successful campaign and an unsuccessful campaign. Totally and you know, great. it's really as easy as just communicate. You know, figure out how to best communicate with your sales organization and then communicate and let them know. Spot on. Yes, Kate. Yeah, I host bi-weekly calls with my sales team, um, bi-weekly calls with my sales leadership. I have time on the agenda every Monday morning on the calls to give a marketing update. I kick it off um, and it just kind of sets the, sets the week for um, you know, the marketing updates across everything that we're doing in marketing. Great. And today, with so many media opportunities out there for getting information out there, that, that's so smart. All right, let's move on to the next question, research. Um, let's talk research. We all know that the right research really helps you build out a cohesive marketing campaign. Today, the big buzzword is back agency-based marketing. I think research is a huge piece of that, to really understand what government CIOs want, what their missions are, how your product or your services, your solution can help them get to that. Research has been around for a long time, but in this day of social media and all the many new ways of capturing insight, how do each of you go about getting research to build out your marketing plans? Let's start out with Kim Hauer. Thanks, Luann. Um, right now, Nutanix is using research in a different way. Our investments are geared more toward developing a data-based understanding of the top issues facing our customers in the federal market and of Nutanix's role in addressing those challenges. Um, as I mentioned before, at our stage of the business life cycle, we've been able to make our investments stretch to meet a variety of goals. And so we've been using market research as a basis for tailored content, thought leadership, content syndication, and messaging. And it's been really great. Sounds good. I love content syndication. That's a whole other discussion around lead gen. Very good. Kate. Yeah, thanks. So we, um, or I obtain this information in a variety of ways and share it with, with my team, with my colleagues, with the corporate folks, uh, attending industry events, subscribing to daily newsletters like daily headlines with Federal News Radio, um, accessing marketing, market intelligence uh, via the subscriptions that we hold, uh, discussions with my vendors, and of course, uh, those bi-weekly chats with my sales team. Great, great, great. Ginger. 
Well, I think understanding your customer is key in order to be able to market and to sell to them. All goes back to the customer. And it's very interesting because I notice that corporate marketing, they are always gathering data for all the other industries because their information is not out there. Where ours is public, so they never gather it for me. But I'd love them to gather it for me because that's hard work to gather all that information. So what we end up doing is research studies, and we'll do research studies on certain topics, whether it be security, as a service, whatever the topic is that we think the government needs to really understand why he or she's not buying it yet and what the obstacles are. And then not only do we use that in our sales campaigns, but we also use it so that we can put it into our presentations and be able to talk to the rest of government to help them understand this is what their peers are saying. And then we love to use it with the press because press love research results. And that's a really good thing for them to be able to write an article on instead of about a product. So we find that it really works in all facets of our marketing. Absolutely. Make the news, right? Exactly. Instead of being in the news. Oh, I love that. Make the news, drive the news. Rita. Well, I agree with all of those techniques. Um, we at MX Group have a market intelligence team of 10 analysts that is absolutely second to none, and we leverage them heavily, not only for the events that MX Group does and the different marketing that we do, but on behalf of Brocade and Nutanix and Cloudera and a number of our other uh, suppliers that we work with. RMI team, to your point, Ginger, about all of this information is out there in the public, they're out there and they're not only talking to the government officials every day, but they're also scouring the agency websites, the budget documents, policy and legislative documents, industry trade pubs, spend data, all these third-party resources, but you gather all that information and it's just a bunch of information. So what our MI team does is then analyze it and kind of distill it down into something that's actionable. So it's not just cocktail conversation. It's not just, hey, look how smart we are. It's really business uh, information that's meaningful that'll drive pipeline and shortens the sales cycle. Things like targeted agency profiles where you're drilling down into a specific agency what is that agency doing? Where are they spending the money? What is approved? You know, all of the things around continuing resolutions and all those fabulous budget things that put some people to sleep. You got to get excited about that. That's where you're going to find where you can really leverage your marketing dollars, your marketing effort to make a difference in the pipeline. There are so many great resources available, probably more to government marketing managers than any commercial marketing managers of market intelligence. So I think that that's a, a really good topic that you focused on about go find out where you can get that information because it's there, it's public. Everything is public. Yeah, and then analyze it. What does it mean, distill it down? Or find someone to analyze it. I've always said a real government marketing person, they hate to analyze things. But there are people that will do that for us. That's why I have, <laughs> <laughs> why I have my MI team. They're over there like, guys, I need some help. help. Stephanie, Lloyd, help. You know, one of the things, too, that, um, and this is just a quick little caveat to this discussion, but I think there's still a little bit of a stigma out there that to do an effective research, it's expensive because it used to be really crazy expensive. But I believe today with social media, the ability to do flash polls, it's not as expensive as it used to be. What are your thoughts on that, Ginger? Well, I think there's many options, like you said. So you can make it expensive and have it with, you know, a well-known research firm. You can do it with a firm that just, you know, specializes in federal, or you can go ahead and do it on Twitter, right? Absolutely. So I think that you can do it all different ways and probably should do it all different ways. And I think that's one of the areas when we talk about Government Marketing University being able to provide information to all levels of marketers. A lot of us that have been doing this for a long time, we need to get educated on all these new media ways, social media particularly. So I think that's a lesson we can all learn as well from the young ones. We can learn from them. You know, this leads right into the next question, PR. So we talked about driving the message, making the message, giving our information out. Um, so one of the things that I'd like to talk about is uh, we hear all the time it's really important to have a PR agency that understands government, that knows federal government, that knows the point of contacts within these federal trade magazines that we want to get outreach to. I'd like to talk a little bit more about that before we go into our next break. Kate, tell us about your, your thoughts and your views on government PR marketing. 
Yeah, so uh, fortunately, not a lot of convincing uh, was needed. It was something uh, at Cloudera we had been discussing for quite some time. So once we made the decision to move forward, it was full speed ahead. Uh, in partnership with the corporate communication team, we developed the goals for the, for the agency, the goals uh, for federal PR overall, uh, as well as the agency key actions and deliverables, and then published uh, an RFP. We had the big firms come in, we had the small firms come in, the national, global, and also the, very, the, the reg regional and niche firms. Um, so we down-selected and we uh, selected our firm and our agency now has been with us for over a year and we couldn't be more pleased with our results. We continue to dominate and share a voice. We're making progress on our social strategy and we have built relationships with the federal media which are all part of our key key objectives and goals starting out and so they've really become an extension of our team. So important, extension of your team and they are a government focused PR agency. Yes. So important. Um, who else? Ginger, how about you? I know oh, you guys are PR. For sure. So I think that it's very eye-opening when you do that RFP and you have the national firms come in as well as the ones who focus specifically on federal. And everyone in the room, not just you as a federal um, marketeer, but your counterparts in the other geos, they will see right away, as quickly as you do, that the ones who focus on federal really understand it and know it. And there's so much information out there. There's so many articles and reports being written that if you're not focused or have a team that's specifically focused on federal, there's no way you could be an expert in it. So I really am a huge advocate of going with a company that has a federal focus. So it sounds like if any of our listeners today are struggling with their corporate offices about needing a federal-focused PR agency, come to one of our mentors because each of you could really offer them justification, bullet points, and all the many reasons why that's important that could help them with their corporate office. Or just do an RFP because it'll prove itself. Great. All right, ladies, well, we're going to move on to a break, and then we're going to come back with our next questions. I am Luann Brossman, host of Market Chat, where we bring clarity to the clutter in government marketing with hot topics, best practices, exciting guests, and innovative ideas. You are listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Do you work in marketing, sales, or business development for a vendor serving government customers? Then you should know about Government Marketing University, a new innovative learning platform that applies a collaborative, community-based approach towards knowledge sharing and skills development in the field of public sector marketing. Government Marketing University offers training, research, certifications, mentoring, and networking, all in one place to help accelerate your marketing success. Learn more at governmentmarketinguniversity.com. That's governmentmarketinguniversity.com. Welcome back to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing. Brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. I'm your host, Luann Brossman, and today we have with us in the studio four government marketing experts and change agents who are providing their expertise on how to strengthen your government marketing efforts. Welcome back, ladies. Thank you, Luann. We have with us today Kate Tong from Cloudera, Hi, Luann. Kim Hauer from Nutanix. Hi. Rita Walston from Emix Group. Hello. And Ginger Kessler from Brocade. I want to talk about good old-fashioned marketing. You know, let's just talk about when you start building a marketing plan. Each of you could build a marketing plan in your sleep. So tell me how you do it. What are the first steps? We've already touched a little bit on you need to know your audience, you need to know your goals, you need to know your ROI metric success factors. But let's talk broader. Beginning of a new year, you need to put your budget into corporate, you need to start on a blank slate of your marketing plan. What are the first things that you do? Let's lead off with Rita Walston. Well, my approach is to really collaborate with the stakeholders. My marketing counterparts, sales leadership, channel leadership, even corporate if it's appropriate. And you need to determine what are the top three priorities for the coming year. And believe me, a lot of times it takes quite a bit of time and talk around the table to determine what are those top three priorities. Then again, you define, well, what is success for each of those? Uh, and then I build out a, a, a plan quarter by quarter. 
just inserting specific items where it must where it makes sense uh, a must attend trade show for instance maybe you have to have a quarterly user group in there maybe you want to make sure that you're doing something to do channel enablement each quarter and of course you've got to take into account how it's going to be funded how are you going to get it paid for um, we look to various buckets of money. You can have perhaps a corporate budget. Sometimes there are partner funds. Sometimes there's co-op marketing where the supplier is putting in 50% and the partner is putting in 50%. At MX Group, we also provide for some of our key suppliers and partners our own MDF program where we're taking a piece of our margin and putting it aside. And we're able to leverage that in a marketing plan for some things that maybe get added last minute. I think in that marketing plan then, two things. One, you have to leave some flexibility in it for things that might come up that you want to add in there and you need to revisit it. It shouldn't be something that you put it in ink and it's done and you have to enact that marketing plan come hell or high water. I think you should revisit it quarterly because sometimes priorities can change. I couldn't agree more. I'm hearing more and more from university students that they're being asked to do a one-year plan, and that's crazy. I always say do six months in concrete, do the second half in wet concrete so that you can make changes. But you can put, like I said, if you need a channel enablement each quarter. If you know you're going to want to be at AFCA West, and you're definitely going to want to be at DOTUS, and you're definitely going to want to be at AFITC, put those things in as kind of anchors where you can say, okay, I'm going to use this event for lead gen and awareness and branding, and I'm checking off those things. Absolutely. Okay, Kim. We're always being pushed to make more data-driven plans, and so our planning process is a combination of backing into what sort of lead quantity and quality that we need to meet or exceed our pipeline goals for the quarter, and engaging with our sales leadership and reps to get a solid qualitative view of what they need to accomplish in a given quarter. It can't ever be just by the numbers or just by the gut. It's really gotta be a, a strong balance of the two. And this process creates a stronger bond between us and our sales teams going through this so with them. Um, and sometimes we really need to rely on that bond when we have to make tough choices on investments. It always comes up where you have to figure out what your priorities are because we just can't do everything, unfortunately. Um, and if we don't have a level of trust there, that can sometimes create friction, which isn't good for anybody. Yeah, so true. So Ginger, throughout your years of, of being a marketing manager and leading a marketing team, what are the steps that you go through with building your marketing plan? I think information gathering is by far the most important step. And that means I need to go to corporate and find out what are their goals specifically for me or for the company. I need to understand the sales organization that I'm supporting, what are their goals, what are their needs. And then really I need to go to all of the marketing partners and understand what they have to offer. You know, what are the different campaigns? What are the new ideas? How do I incorporate social media into my event marketing? I need all of those ideas, and then you need to bring them together and decide what will work for you. And I think the biggest step is once you put that first plan together, maybe it's six months or maybe it's longer. I personally believe in the quarterly plan with six months as a stretch. I really think that you need to get buy-in. You need buy-in from sales. You need buy-in from corporate to say this is what I'm doing and this is how I'm marching down and here are my goals that you know Rita's alluded to so many times. So true. So Kate, tell us a little bit about what your strategy is when building out a plan. Yeah, so I'm actually uh, in that process right now uh, in the summer months, uh, busy season for federal, busy season for marketing, uh, especially with our fiscal year. I look at the plan and the budget uh, from last year, what programs and campaigns performed, have we acquired the new customers, have we expanded our existing customer base. Uh, constantly, to Ginger's point, engaging in ongoing conversations with sales and sales leadership to understand their priorities and areas of focus and do the same with the corporate team, very important. Um, I think building that relationship with the corporate team, obviously communicating and sharing that we are in a different market out here, but you have to have a good relationship with them because in my world, I am a, their customer um, and I service, they, they service me and my needs, whether it's creative or corporate communication or demand gen, we work uh, closely together. And then just really quickly back to Rita's point about partners, um, co-marketing with partners in your ecosystem is a great way to maximize budget, but also extending your brand. Uh, not only do you maximize your budget, but you also leverage the resources uh, and cover more ground as a result. So 
if you're one person or you have a team of five, three or five, six, whatever that may be, uh, you can always do more with more hands. So true, so true. You know, one of the things too that I have found throughout my career, we can build our plan, but we really need to be creative in how we pay for these plans. And I think that that's something that we can teach a lot of people because you get your money from corporate. That's a given, set amount of dollars. They don't usually give you more once they give you money. Sometimes they take back. Uh, market development funds. A lot of us run the channel marketing organizations or that dollars are coming out of corporate. So very important for our listeners to take advantage of MDF dollars. Uh, Ginger, for example, something that you do really well that I like is the one to many campaigns. So do a campaign from your organization and then push it out to the partners for lead gen. And that way it helps the money go further. I think that's really smart. Um, another thing that I would really highly recommend our listeners do is integrated marketing so look at some complementary OEM alliances and go in jointly if you're talking cybersecurity or cloud computing or Internet of Things do it jointly because economies of scale those monies go further so um, anybody else have any big ideas on how to get money I think everybody kind of agrees with that correct what yes. we talked about all right so um, let's move into mentorship we talked earlier in the program today that one of the things that our students are asking us for with Government Marketing University is to really have a mentor program. Um, one of the things that I hear consistently from all of the individuals that are asking to be part of our faculty, our professors, our ambassadors, our government marketing individuals such as yourself, we have so much knowledge that we want to provide back. We care. We truly care. And at the end result, we're helping be a better government because the information that we will push down and teach our um, other government marketing peers will help them in their jobs, which ultimately makes better government. And that's why we're all here. So I want to talk a little bit more about the mentor program at Government Marketing University. And because the four of you are all mentors, I'd like to hear a little bit of insight from you as well. Uh, the dictionary says that a mentor means a relationship in which a more experienced or more knowledgeable person helps to guide a less experienced or a less knowledgeable person. And that's exactly the model that Government Marketing University will be following. For each of you, if you were starting out today in government marketing, either out of college or you've been doing commercial marketing your whole life and now you've been handed government marketing and you'd like to have a mentor, I'd like to know from each of you what piece of advice that you would surely want a new government marketer to know. Ginger, let's start with you. How about get a mentor? Get that a would mentor. be the first <laughs> piece of advice. I think that um, a marketing mentor would be great, but I also think a sales mentor would be wonderful because salespeople think a little bit differently and they really have the insight into that customer directly. And I know with my sales team, I'm calling up the sales leaders all the time and just running ideas and questions by them. And I think it's nice to have many that you can go to, but it's also nice to have that one person that you really trust and can um, really you know, benefit from talking to them. But I will tell you, I think it's a two-way street. If you're the mentor, if you're the protege, you're both gonna benefit from the relationship Absolutely. because you both bring so much to the table and have different experiences. So I really think it's just finding other people who do what you do and being able to exchange those ideas, whether it's you know with someone more seasoned or less seasoned. No, great. So Kate, uh, give us your insight on how you would have used a mentor back early in your career. Take advantage of every opportunity to develop professionally and to sharpen your skill. Uh, take the time to learn about the market, build the relationship with the team you are supporting and the team that's supporting you. And of course, take the time to develop and nurture relationships with your peers across the industry. Because as you will soon realize, if you haven't already, this is a very small community. And who knows, you may find a mentor. I love it. So true. You know, it is a very small community. And that's probably a really big tip um, or nugget of information to individuals coming into this market. Is It's a small market, and everything you say and do will follow you for a long, long time. And your relationships don't burn any bridges. Very true. Kim, tell us about how you would use a mentor earlier in your career. Well, I, you know, I would just say really just from a, an advice to folks just coming into the workforce perspective, really to approach your role with a sense of curiosity and purpose. Because I think that what I've found is that people will take notice and are really mostly happy to help if you ask them. So if you're a younger professional, don't feel shy about asking questions. Um, asking to go to lunch once in a while, bouncing off ideas of someone in your organization, like Ginger said that she does, um, someone who can give you a fresh perspective. 
focus some of the time you might normally spend on social pursuits and attend some networking events. Great advice. I'll, I'll tell you, I don't know nearly enough entry-level people in the workforce as I would like to. And I've had a number of situations over the last couple of years where I really wanted to hire a great marketing person that was starting off in their career. And I struggled to find those people. I couldn't meet them at the networking events that I went to. And then I realized that a lot of folks that are just starting out aren't necessarily participating uh, in those types of activities. So I would highly recommend going to the GAIN conference in 2016 and just getting out there and networking as much as you can because we want to know you. That's great advice. And then Kim will hire you. <laughs> and you know, just um, aside with the university, we hear that a lot. From, from our student base. So starting in early 2017, Government Marketing University will actually have a job bank. Um, and I'm really excited about that because the other thing that the university will be doing is providing certifications. And I am really excited about a government marketing person coming to me and saying, I got the job because I had a GMARC U certification. And that's what we hope to do with our job bank. So very exciting, great input. Rita, let's talk about mentors. So with mentorship, I think if I were going to talk to my prior self. I, it, it really emphasizes what you said, Luann, about this being such a small community. I think you have to realize that you're building your brand from day one. So when you're reaching out, you're looking for mentors, to your point, Ginger, find the mentors, not necessarily in marketing, in sales and elsewhere. Um, I do have folks that will reach out to me, and this was not a rent not to date myself, but this was not around when I started my career, LinkedIn. It aggravates me when I get LinkedIn invitations that just say, I want to join, I want to join your network. I'll bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> and so the advice that I would give is if you're looking to expand your network in that way, put in your invitation how you met, hey, saw you speak at this event, would really love your perspectives on this in the coming years, months. Could I join your network? Don't just send out the regular blast. So that would be my advice to myself great back advice. when. And use LinkedIn. It's use a great LinkedIn. Tool. It is LinkedIn. an excellent tool. And make sure your photo is good on LinkedIn. I mean, how many photos do we see and we cringe? Of salespeople as well. And, and not just inappropriate. Yeah, um, so any of our <laughs> listeners that are listening today that are interested in having a mentor, or if you're interested in being a mentor, we would love to hear from you. So send us an email, mentor at governmentmarketinguniversity.com. All right, ladies, we are coming to the close. I want to give each one of you about 20 seconds to tell me why you feel like Government Marketing University is going to be successful and why it is so needed in this space. So Ginger, go. Exchange of ideas. I'm always looking for a new way to do something or a new concept, a new marketing tool, and I think that Government Marketing University is gonna be the place for me to find that. Awesome. Rita. Networking, I think just talking with others, that exchange of ideas that, that Ginger said, meeting the new people. I, from time to time, am looking for additional staff or I have some of my supplier OEMs and partners saying, hey, do you know anybody? So I think getting that networking where we have one place to come together is gonna to be crucial. Isn't it amazing that up until now, there really has not been that forum. Um, there's not even a professional organization for government marketers, which is something else that the university will be fulfilling. So yeah, agreed. Kim. I'm so excited about the networking too. That's really my number one goal. And also just to learn from these other fantastic marketers that we have in our community. And um, aside from networking with people that might be colleagues or what have you, networking with the vendor community that serves us. Because I don't know everybody who does things that might be beneficial for my programming. And so I'm really excited to meet some of the great vendors who serve us, our community as well. Awesome, and Kate? Yeah, thank you. No, thank you to GovMark U for servicing us and bringing an organization together that is independent and, um, you know, kind of Switzerland, if you will, uh, and bringing everyone together across the community. Great. Well, thank you. And ladies, thank you so much. I think today has been awesome. Um, and our listeners just know that this is not the last time that we'll be bringing this group together. Uh, we will be doing more of this both on Federal News Radio as well as podcasts moving forward. Uh, thank you for joining the Market Chat today. Remember, Government Marketing University is here to serve you. 
We're at www.governmentmarketinguniversity.com. You can get training, research, certifications, mentoring, awards, community resources, and networking, which we know is very, very important. I am Luann Brossman, host of Market Chat, where we bring clarity to the clutter in government marketing with hot topics, best practices, exciting guests, and innovative ideas. You've been listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Do you work in marketing, sales, or business development for a vendor serving government customers? Then you should know about Government Marketing University a new innovative learning platform that applies a collaborative, community-based approach towards knowledge sharing and skills development in the field of public sector marketing. Government Marketing University offers training, research, certifications, mentoring, and networking, all in one place to help accelerate your marketing success. Learn more at governmentmarketinguniversity.com. That's governmentmarketinguniversity.com. My story is yours. I am a mother. I'm a father. A son. A daughter. I am in recovery from a mental illness. A substance use disorder. With support from family and community. We We are are victorious. victorious. Join the voices for recovery. Our families, our stories, our recovery. For confidential information on mental and substance use disorders, including prevention and treatment referral for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Did you know babies receive vaccinations that protect them from 14 diseases before they're even two years old? Adults, ask your health care provider about your vaccination needs and record. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says older adults need vaccinations to prevent flu, pneumonia, Tdap, hepatitis B, and shingles. Tdap, a combination of vaccine of tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis, should be given to pregnant women during the third trimester to protect babies from whooping cough. Learn more at cdc.gov vaccines. Ovarian cancer is not just a women's disease. When my Nana got ovarian cancer, it affected our whole family. The symptoms can be mistaken for so many other less serious illnesses. We want to help women be diagnosed earlier. So please join the National Ovarian Cancer Coalition Maryland chapter for the 7th annual run walk to break the silence on ovarian cancer on Sunday, September 18th, outside at Westfield Annapolis Mall. For more information, go to runwalk.ovarian.org. Do you work in marketing, sales, or business development for a vendor serving government customers? Then you should know about Government Marketing University, a new innovative learning platform that applies a collaborative, community-based approach towards knowledge sharing and skills development in the field of public sector marketing. Government Marketing University offers training, research, certifications, mentoring, and networking, all in one place to help accelerate your marketing success. Learn more at governmentmarketinguniversity.com. That's governmentmarketinguniversity.com.